Hi, I'm Chris DiGiuseppe from WhatCopsWatch.com, and you're listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Two Guys Talking is an internet radio show podcast, providing you with complete, detailed, and always educational perspectives when it comes to television, feature films, DVDs, Blu-rays, and the hottest in online entertainment. This week, it's Two Guys Talking, Twister, 1996, directed by Jean Debon. Tornadoes. We'll likely never experience one in real life, and for that, we can consider ourselves lucky. In 1996, masses across North America were given Twister, directed by Jean de Bon, starring a cavalcade of Hollywood's brightest up-and-coming actors who have all had literal windfall since way back then. What was also given to us was a portal into the inside of the storm, the action around it, and the details that just might help you if the skies go green, ice rains from above, and everyone loses their minds as the whine of tornado sirens pierces the area around you. When all others around you are losing their minds, we hope you'll remember the details, information, and weather geekery that is captured inside this podcast, the perspective review of Twister, 1996, directed by Jean Debon, here on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. Hi, and I'm uh, said weather geekist Jim Sharp. I'm the <laughs> vice president and chief training officer with Aegis Emergency Management. And the funny part, when you say something like that, I don't think people understand the amount of knowledge that you bring to bear on something like this. I'm terribly happy to have you inside this podcast because I know you remember this. So where, where, where were you back in 1996 when this came out? I was the... Director of Emergency Services for uh, one of the largest federal and state office complexes in the Midwest at the time. Wow. So we we dealt with severe weather like we dealt with a- any other emergency. Yeah, and there's a whole bunch of details that are going to go into this that I think are both positive but also detrimental to the public in general. We're going to be talking about it all inside this podcast. First, a little bit of housekeeping. The Avengers Headquarters at TwoGuysTalking.com. We are on just the back end of the second Avengers movie, Avengers Age of Ultron opening. And folks, it's another corn combine of cash. I haven't paid attention. It's Monday morning after the weekend of it opening. But it's another giant piece of farm equipment that should be lifted by Twister, obviously. Uh, Just collecting cash and interest and attention everywhere. I want all of you to go over to our Avengers headquarters over at twoguystalking.com forward slash Avengers. There you can listen to all of the perspective reviews of all of the movies that culminate all the characters inside of Avengers so that you too can have another experience that you don't yet have via the perspective reviews of everybody, all the characters inside of the Avengers. Again, it's twoguystalking.com forward slash Avengers. Whatcopswatch.com. Jim, do you know any cops? It bunches, yes. Do you really? Well, have I got some business cards that I need to share with you. <laughs> There's a new podcast on the network called WhatCopsWatch.com. That's Captain Christy Giuseppe from a local law enforcement agency who has created a wonderful program that not only puts a human face on everybody behind the badge, but also helps to educate people, uh, not so strangely, like, kind of like what we're going to do here, in regard to action busting versus what you see on television programs and inside of movies in regard to law enforcement. That whole action busting aspect is... A wonderful education point for everybody in the public because for the it is changing I will give it that 
But for the most part, everything that you see on a television show that you like or inside of a movie has something completely different when you leech into real life in regard to firefighting or law enforcement or in your case preparation for making sure you are ready for when the sky literally falls that's very true i the thing that i think is hard to keep in mind is when you see those those things on tv or or on the big screen Mm -hmm. it's entertainment Mm -hmm. it's it's designed to be entertaining and and if it piques your interest a little bit great and and there's probably some truth to all the things that you see Mm -hmm. but there's some truth to it to make it real enough to make you want to see it, to make you want to watch that program and see the advertisements that come with it. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's designed to get you to view, not necessarily to to educate. I mean, none of those shows are documentaries. True, true. And uh, that's another point that we'll talk about as well is the documentaries, but also the cavalcade of other films that were trying to rip off Twister and blow that away with their own little tweaks and fixes and whatnot. Anyway, WhatCopsWatch.com offers you some of the, in my opinion, the best reviews of today's and yesteryear's movies and television that cops submit to us, and we put them through the review cone. You have to remember that of the things that a cop might not want to watch, it might not be the most recent drama stuff inside of the cone of law enforcement, because they live it. (laughs) They don't need to have it. It's uh, one of the most... Impressive things that I think Chris has bestowed upon me inside that show is that if you're talking about uh, child abduction, when you just read the most recent case file about it, might not be where you go for entertainment when you're sitting at home with your family. And some of the officers I know are kind of of that mindset. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, I'm I'm a cop 12 hours a day. Yeah, I, I wear this uniform, you know, 12, 13, 14, 16 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the last thing I want to do is go home and watch more stuff about being yeah. a cop. I I just went through it all. I'd like to to get away from it a little bit and go play softball with my kids or mm-hmm. go run or or whatever. Yeah, it, it's really a it's a great program and the the library there is continuing to grow and does feature a lot of stuff that is outside of the cone of interest for law enforcement. I encourage everybody to go there and check it out. It's whatcopswatch.com. Again, that's Captain Chris Giuseppe. Tons of information, a ton of education, but more importantly, you get to see behind the badge and the human face that's there serving all of us. All right, Jim, well, it's time to get swept up by the perspective review of 1996's Twister, directed by Jean Dubon, starring all kinds of awesome people that I still love inside of Hollywood today. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Bloggers Bug, Sprint's Relay Missouri, and the St. Charles Office Center. Two guys talking. Twister. The hype. Now, the hype is where we talk about what you remember before the film came. Now, you, inside of the position you were in, you probably had quite a bit of information about this, did you? It, it was it was, it was, was heavily advertised, mm-hmm. and I mean, all the advertising was the special effects. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you, at that time, you had never really seen anything like that. No. You know, the, this was the, the, the Jurassic the, Park of... of Absolutely. I mean, the Wizard of Oz and the Twister that got Dorothy. Nothing (laughs) Nothing close. Nothing close. So it was. It was very interesting to go see. If for no other reason than, it's got great special effects. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm Kind of like the other big special effects movies about disasters, The Day After Tomorrow, and 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 things like that. Mm -hmm. Heavily hyped because you had never seen anything like that before. The story, you know, storylines come and go, but 
from the visual perspective, it was visually stunning. Yeah, yeah. Where did you see this film? Did you see it in a theater someplace? In a theater, yeah. yes. Okay. And, and do you remember the size of the theater? How many people were there? I, I don't, but I remember it being a full house. Okay. I remember well, that, it being a full house. I do as well. I remember this uh, mostly because I had just started a really fun Star Trek-based group here inside of St. Louis. And the fun is that Everybody inside of science fiction loves to deal with movies like this because it's the tiniest piece of what is kind of science fiction. You know, it's you don't anticipate it. It's absolutely you can't control it. You can't hit a series of buttons and somehow things just turn out differently. You don't have that. Um, but also the preparation part is also plays a huge part in what happens inside of uh, fandom. I remember all of us getting together and going to watch this movie. Uh, the trailers were incredibly effective, I thought. Um, the, the trailers back then were something solely different than what you see now where every single special effects detail is somehow vomited onto the screen and you've seen a quarter of the movie by the time you get yes. to it. And so there was that, I remember dark fade-ins to where there was just, there was clear skies and then cloudy skies and in the skies going green and then some voiceover from Bill Paxton and I remember that vividly and we'll actually include a link to the trailer for this film over at twoguystalking.com forward slash twister. Yeah, I, I remember the, the trailer too as, like you said, not being half the movie mm -hmm. you know crammed into just one special effect after mm -hmm. another but i remember the soundtrack w was interesting to me you know very rarely do you get a movie that's got van halen so you know that's yeah. a good deal all the way around that's always a good deal but some of it kind of sounded like show tunes and some of it w was kind of country so mm -hmm. i thought i thought the soundtrack was good uh and i thought they used catchphrases really good in in the trailer too you know the the suck zone and can I say suck zone? You can say uh, suck zone, believe yeah, it or not. You can edit it. Sure. That's yeah. or, or like Greenage or, you know, where's my truck? Uh, <laughs> that, that, you know, that stuff that kind of stuck with people for a while. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of the visuals also stuck with people for a while. We'll get more oh, into yeah. that as well as the soundtrack here in just a little bit. The podcast zone. It's the point basically where the podcast sucks you in. The money. Ah, the old fun point of remembering how much cash raised during a perspective review. Jim, any idea at all what this made domestically to date, actually, since then? I, I couldn't even guess. Again, I remember going to see it, you know, probably within a week of its opening, mm -hmm. and, and, and the theater was full. Yeah, jam-packed. I remember that, and it was days when theaters were full. Uh, even uh, Avengers this last weekend, the, a couple of the shows that we were at, not full, which I, kind of amazed me. Usually, especially something like Avengers would be huge. Uh, but those days have changed. People uh, take in their entertainment much differently than when they did way back then. Yeah, the, really true. I, I get movies on my phone. I'm sure you get movies on your phone. Mm -hmm. It's not the ideal way to see it, but I, I travel quite a bit. And if I'm stuck in a hotel room or in an airport somewhere, yeah, it, it did C-SPAN. Tablet technology as well as we'll call them wireless HDMI emplacements. So Chromecast. Um, the fire sticks all of those have changed the way that people consume their movies and so it's changing for the theaters but what is not changing is the almighty dollar what it took in domestically was 242 million dollars since then to now wow that's just a giant corn combine of cash yeah. literally that we always call them inside the perspective reviews any idea foreign take uh -uh. not even it was 253 million dollars so for a combined total of $495 million to date, amazing, especially when you consider that the production cost was only $92 million. So almost half a billion 
with a B dollars. Yeah, That's I'm, just stunning. It is stunning. The uh, opening weekend was $41 million on its own. So when you take in as, as much money as this movie did, and it's opening weekend making back almost half the budget... That's a giant score for a Hollywood uh, outfit, and frankly, strange that there wasn't some sort of sequel. Thankfully, yeah, I, I have to say, thankfully, <laughs> I, I think that was suck zone two. Uh, yeah, how do you Twister uh, part two? You, you wouldn't want to see Twister turned into Sharknado, <laughs> you know. And I have Sharknado and the second one, uh, but it's. I, I thought it was good as a as a standalone oh, sort yeah. of epic movie at yes. the time. Yes, I, I totally agree with that. Hit the mark. But more importantly, it hit the uh, the folks' pocketbooks and oh, made yeah. a giant ass load of cash. The podcast zone. That's not the technical word for it, obviously. The good. We always love talking about the good parts of movies, which is why we have so many perspective reviews over at perspectivereviews.com as well. What we get to first here is the cast. Now, the cast of Twister is filled with a variety of people. I'm going to pick on and focus on, first, Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton is not just a gear inside of moviedom. He is a machine inside of television and movies, frankly. And and he, I thought he was good in that movie in the part he played. Yes. As, as just this kind of... Uh, kind of regular guy, kind of driven for what he does. I thought they overplayed a little bit the the kind of love triangle thing with the ex-wife mm-hmm. and the you know because really who brings their girlfriend to to see their divorce paper getting signed <laughs> I, I i never got that part of it but 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 i i thought he kind of he was the the constant throughout the movie there's no doubt about that then of course helen hunt Helen Hunt is the every woman, and in particular, I was going to leave this for another good, but I think we'll incorporate it here. This was before, right before, Helen Hunt got her nose done, and I find her way more attractive before the nose getting done than not, and I, I don't traditionally focus on the menial, what people look like parts of anything inside of movies like this, but she really did. She looks completely different with the nose that she got versus the one that she had. Up until right now, I didn't know Helen Hunt had her nose done. She she did. She did. But I remember there being nothing wrong with watching Helen Hunt, you know, (laughs) ride around in a pickup truck in basically a white tank top. I I thought there was. (laughs) That was. uh, I thought there was no detractor from the movie at that point. No, not at all. And uh, again, it's one of the reasons why I revere the movie is because it's Helen Hunt, as I remember Helen Hunt. Her and. The gentleman from uh, Aliens had that rom-com show that was on for uh, Mad About You. It was on for so long, and that attitude and that uh, her being able to stick herself into any situation inside of that series, I thought was great, and it really did lose something after uh, she had her nose done. Uh, anyway, Helen Hunt was in this, and she's gone on to a marvel of things, including some Academy Award nominations mm-hmm. and being in a variety of different projects across the spectrum. So just great stuff. Carrie Elwes. Now, Carrie Elwes is an actor that a lot of people, he's almost a chameleon at this point, because he doesn't feature in anything, but he's in a lot of stuff. And having that good, solid, foundational structure for what happens inside of movies as an actor usually makes you quite a bit of money. You know, that that's true. And, and I think he, like you said, he is one of those guys who you, you kind of maybe even subliminally realize that he's in all these movies, but it never really hits you unless you're suddenly looking at some big list right. of all the stuff that he's been in. And it's like, oh, I remember that. I remember that character. I remember that movie. Mm-hmm. And he's never really in the forefront per se. He's always kind of a kind of a background piece, but he's mm-hmm. that background piece that 
that if he was missing, you would notice. Right, right. And everybody will remember him from The Princess Bride, obviously, but a variety of other projects. And remember, we're going to link to everybody's profile inside of uh, the Internet Movie Database over at twoguystalking.com forward slash twister. Jamie Gertz. Jamie Gertz. Wow. Did I have a crush on Jamie Gertz? Well, I still have a crush on Jamie yeah, Gertz. Hard, hard not to. <laughs> yeah. A, a gorgeous, though, uh, really thinly veiled acting portrayal here. She's the damsel in distress in the midst of other people that don't really care that they're in the middle of a tornado. But still, it's Jamie Gertz. So, wow. Yeah, you know, for for a movie that had a lot of very good visual stunning effects, she mm-hmm. blended right along in mm-hmm. with those very good visually stunning effects. Yes, I agree with uh, that. I would have liked to see her part a little bit different. She was always kind of, oh, I'm, you know, I'm I'm the fifth wheel. I'm the I'm the tag along. I'm lost. I'm and and from just a movie perspective, not necessarily a weather perspective, he treats her very poorly. Yes. You know, here, go along in a different vehicle with these people you've never met before. And, <laughs> and no, enjoy the no, adventure. They're, they're You'll fine. love it. They're, they're fine. They look weird and they act weird, but don't stress about it. You know? Don't stress about it. By right. the way, tornado. Yeah. We're going to be fine. Yeah. yeah. It, it's a very interesting perspective in that she actually decides to take off at the 80 percentile mark of the movie. It's a different call, and so I'm going to give it points for that. The fact that it will bother to go against paradigm. I'm I'm actually a fan of that, and I don't think enough movies do it. I I thought so too, and I'm I'm glad they did it that way instead of because I thought as as I got about halfway through the movie, I thought she was going to be tornado fodder. Yeah, I thought she was going to be the guy in the red shirt from Star Trek. You know, where she if there's anybody who's going to get killed in the tornado, it's probably going to be her, and then yeah. that's going to be the catalyst for these two getting back together and. Yeah. You know, la da 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 da. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad it ended for her anyway, and for that character that way, where she just says, "Yeah, you know, this is never going to be me. I can't compete with not just this environment, but obviously with this woman, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it quits and leave." So I'm glad they didn't, you know, kill her in some horrible, horrible but, way. But again, yeah. visually very effective, uh, yeah. you know, tornado way. No, I thought it, I thought it was excellent, and. Um Again, to give a nod back to the second Avengers film, they actually did something in there where I would call it colloquial terminal cliche, and they did not pay that off either. So, you know, anytime that a movie will take something that is traditional paradigm and turn it on its head or crank on it sideways so that you get something completely different, I am a fan of that. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, he's got a lot of acting portrayals that I like, but I didn't care for him as an actor. I also didn't care for his political spin. And so inside of this, he has almost no role. It's kind of the comedic levity, greenage dude. Yeah. And, and the, that's it. Very, he's the funny hippie. Yeah. You know, he's, 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 he's the dude that's interested in weather and he's in the van behind one of the computer systems. Not much to see here, but again, it's a, it's a stepping stone and a block yeah. to what got him to a really, really stratospheric career. I always love being able to go back and look at what helps create people's careers because very often you'll find little giant little glimpses of brilliance inside those things. Well, and and he played the role that was given. Yes. I mean, hey, you know, we're going to hire you. We're going to pay you this money. Here's what we'd like you to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, as an actor, isn't that that what you're you're supposed to do? So, you know, kind of a goofy part, but played well Mm -hmm. because he was supposed to be the goofy... You know, kind of, kind of touchy feely, nerdy, techie, hippie kind of guy. That mm-hmm. was that was his morph right there, and I thought he did it well. Yeah, I think so too. Alan Ruck, 
Alan Ruck. Every time I see Alan Ruck, I think of the captain of the Enterprise B, who everything was going to arrive on Tuesday. And I don't see him in very much else in regard to anything he's done in his career. Although uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is also where I remember him from. Yeah. He plays the part here. He's another cog in the machine of Tornado Chase, uh, which is something else we're going to talk about here as we get further in. The bottom line is that the cast was incredibly strong inside of this, filled with people that weren't yet who they have become inside of Hollywood. And it's great to see, again, those stair steps watching people's careers escalate as time goes by. Podcast. We crave podcast. Podcast. Attention to severe weather. One of the most important parts of this perspective review is not to revel inside of what I thought was a more particularly attractive nose for Helen Hunt. (laughs) The fact is that we want to educate people here. And one of the great things that you brought up when we were compiling the skeleton for this podcast was that this movie, and still to this day this movie, brings wonderful attention to severe weather. And that's very true. From, From an emergency manager's perspective, that was the best thing. Sure. About this movie. I mean, you know, it wasn't a documentary. You weren't going to go see Twister to learn really about the technicalities of severe weather development or mm-hmm. what to do in case you're caught by severe weather any more than, uh, again, going back to my Godzilla deal, any more than you would go see Godzilla to think it was some kind of paleontological training film. Right. That's not the case. But it did bring a lot of attention to severe weather preparedness and severe weather safety. And if people that saw it in that theater maybe went home or, or went to school or maybe sat down with their family that week and said, you know, hey, what what if? You know, what happens if? Maybe we should think about this. If it got a couple of people to do that, all the better. Well, and I think what else it would also bring is the, the camaraderie of storm chasing, which is something else I, I actually didn't put in the into the uh, skeleton here. But what we'll add here is the concept of storm chasing was only just becoming something back then, where it's now become... Uh, in many cases, a business for people, especially inside of that Midwest Tornado Alley rung. It is it is a movement. It is a movement in which people have now died, which uh, solidifies the absolute danger that is involved in not just the things that we see inside of something like Twister, but the chosen field that many people probably saw this movie and decided to become interested in weather, if not become a storm chaser. That's very true, and, and and sadly, I know the incident you're talking about from a couple of years ago, which mm-hmm. which just goes to show. I mean, in the movie, it seemed as though these people knew every single move that these tornadoes were going to make, mm-hmm. and that that's not the case in real life. Mm-hmm. Even very experienced, very educated professionals with a ton of tenure behind them can and do continue to get caught by surprise, and it has it has very dangerous, sometimes very deadly consequences mm-hmm. and and when people talk to me about am i am i a storm chaser no i'm i'm not i mean i'm as interested in it as the next guy again considering my profession probably more interested in it than the next guy but it's it's not in me to go out and and travel the midwest and find the next tornado I, i'm happy with the researchers who go and do that yeah. and, and you're right it, it's become kind of a, a hobby for some people uh, and the advent of technology makes that a little easier than it had been 20 years ago when you couldn't you know pull up a tablet and see a current weather outlook just like the National Weather Service was seeing it so back then it, it was sort of relegated to researchers 
people who were maybe sponsored by a university or, or had grant funding or things like that uh, that could lay their hands on the technology that wasn't available to the public at large. Yeah. Now I, I have friends who you know, who storm chase. Even locally, they'll, they'll go out and, and sort of put themselves in a position to get a good picture if the storm happens to come their way, which if that's your thing, the, the more power to you. You just have to be safe about it. Well, and I, I think what you'll notice too is that Bill, uh, Bill Paxton inside this movie, he brings back to bear that old school, there is a guy that can look at weather patterns and feel the, the, the taste of the wind and barometer dropping and, and have an older school flavor that's then lent to the high-tech folks inside the van to together their superpowers combine to make this force of people being able to go and find tornadoes anywhere. And that it is a movie and that it's uh, showcased as it is I think that works inside the inside the movie. Where it doesn't work is real life. Thank you. <laughs> because I, unfortunately, there are no Bill Paxton characters. Or I'll, I'll say that with an asterisk. There are many people that know a lot about the weather. But being able to call storms as if they're a, 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 an untamed stallion wandering around a, a field someplace is disingenuous. I agree. You know, I, I don't know anybody who's the tornado whisperer, you know, who who can go out. Although, in, again, it's entertainment. We all get that. Sure. In this movie, it kind of struck me as odd that the the cast of characters was attempting to develop this technology that would allow them to more accurately and in a more timely manner predict where and when a tornado would develop. Yet everywhere they went in the movie, there was a tornado. At least and, one. Right. Sometimes more than one. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I kind of thought, and again, it was, it's, it's because of the profession I'm in. To me, that, that struck me as it didn't make any sense. To the public, it played very well. But for me, that was the big glaring issue with the movie was, why are you trying to develop a, a means of predicting storms when you are already so very, very good at it that you have so many close calls in the space of... I think 90 that minutes. Movie made, yeah, yeah, but I think <laughs> the movie o- over, over, over time spanned, what, maybe a 24-hour period, a 48-hour period? Mm-hmm. Th- that struck me as a little bit just, uh, just off. But I, I think it also gave people a false sense of security when you see in the movie people being so close to these gigantic storms and nothing bad happening to them, you know, other than the guy who gets hit by the flying hubcap. You know, they, they come out kind of without a scratch. They're a little wet. They're a little dirty. Uh, again, Helen Hunt has to change her shirt. Oh, my Lord. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be <laughs> in awesome. so much trouble at home. <laughs> but it, it's, that's not the way it works. In, in real life, people who get close to tornadoes oftentimes have bad things happen to sure. them. Sure. I, I don't know anybody who has experienced in real life uh, a tornado who wishes that they would experience another one just for the thrill of it. You've never seen it miss this podcast and that podcast and come right after you. The effects. Now, we've already glanced on the effects inside this film, which are phenomenal. Industrial Light and Magic has always been on the forefront and continue to be on the forefront of delivering I-can't-believe-what-I-just-saw effects. And inside of Twister, they provide... Again, I, to date, have never seen... Look, my eyes are looking at a tornado. Except, of course, for the stuff that I've seen in Twister and the amalgam of other movies that have come out. And... The value that they bring is carried over into something else. I was going to put into another bullet point, but it fits here too. I went to, in 1998, 
the uh, return to space for John Glenn. My wife and I went down for Did a you shuttle really? launch. Wow. Launch. And it was, you know, it's everything everybody ever tells you. The, uh, the rush of being able to see something man-made rocket into space. The shuddering that happens between 30 and 40 seconds after the thing is already flying. That the thunder on ground that hits you later. The awe of everybody watching the clapping. The, the waiting for just a few seconds after you, you hear the words go for throttle. All of those things were all there, including John Glenn going back to space. But what was also there was a visit to Universal Studios. And Universal Studios, one of their newest things was, of course, Twister the Ride. Now, Twister the Ride, you're like, okay, Mike, I, I don't get it. And I didn't either. I thought I was going to go in there and go, wow, that wasn't so awesome. But you know what? It was awesome. I'm sure it was. It was awesome. The, you're uh, you're inside of this kind of warehouse with very very high ceilings, uh, and there is essentially that entire scenario that plays out during the any anything that happens at night happens inside of that ride. I don't think it's there anymore either. I mean, it's amazing. They they make the temperature in the in the entire warehouse drop. Mm-hmm. The, the, you hear wind circling around you. You can see wind happening in different places with the advent of some sort of incorporation of smoke machines and fans. I mean, it is it was it was amazing. Flying cow, flying car, flying uh, movie sign, giant, incredibly absorbing submersion therapy cracks of lightning and thunder mm. i mean it, it it was amazing the the whole thing was amazing uh, there was a there's a giant platform that everybody is on that moves up and down oh wow it, it it was amazing it it was very very cool and it's something that we did three or four times while we, my wife and i were there it, it was yeah, just you'd crazy have to pull me off it i've been one of those guys who walked <laughs> out walked around got at the end of the line yes and yeah yes we and we did that the first time that we went on it we got right back in line for it <laughs> uh, anyway the, the reason i bring that to bear is that i know i I have absolutely no interest in being in a real-life tornado, in particular at my house, because I know if I'm anywhere near it, my house is probably going to get wrecked and I'm in very severe danger. But the effects inside of this were amazing. They are textual. They, they, they provide you with a taste of anything that you see in there, even if some of the stuff that you see there is not quite all that real. The splitting tornadoes, I know, is based on something that's happened and that people have seen. I get that. It's just a little rosy. <laughs> and that you can see everything so clearly is also something that if you're standing 100 feet from a tornado, my guess is you probably, one, you shouldn't be there. You're in a bad spot. Right. But two, you probably can't see because of all the stuff that's flying around in the wind. So I'm appreciative that it was able to submerge me into that. And it's one of the reasons why I love industrial light and magic because they really do submerge you into things. And, and the best part about it is it's a ride. Yes. You know, you, you pay your money, you get the experience, nobody gets hurt, <laughs> hopefully, you know, right. and, and you get to walk out at the end yeah. of it. Again, sadly, Mother Nature doesn't work that way. Correct. Outside of a laboratory, outside of an amusement park, there are people who, you know, even around here, again, the Good Friday tornado, the anniversary of that just passed from a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. um, and, and the anniversary of Joplin coming up, and uh, just a couple of days ago, the anniversary of the first more tornado. Uh, mm-hmm. There have been three since 1999, mm-hmm. uh, where where people have been that close to, to Mother Nature's fury and have not come out of it well. They don't get to 
walk out a door and go, oh. Right. You know, the director again, doesn't like, yell cut and everything right, like stops. Like in Twister where, mm-hmm. where the tornado doesn't destroy the family's home at the end but, but wipes out the outbuildings. Again, that's that's a very rosy ending for a very nasty event. Yes. Uh, and and I'm, I'm grateful it ended that way. We all like movies where, where kind of everybody works out at the end. Yeah. But, but what wasn't at the end of Twister was Joplin Devastation. Exactly, and, and there's a reason. I mean, obviously, you got to you have to paint into the cone of entertainment for something like this, right? Nobody wants to walk out of a movie with tears in their eyes, going, you know, oh, those poor people. So again, entertainment versus reality, but but the reality of it is, severe weather is dangerous. Yes, uh, you know, again, you, you you saw people very close to very powerful storms in that movie, uh, and they and and they walked away without a scratch. Mm-hmm. In real life, that's. That's not the way that works. Very it's much just so. not the way it works. Uh, and, and I can tell you that from firsthand experience. When I was very young, probably nine or ten years old, mm-hmm. a fascination with storms even back then. And I can remember being on my grandmother's front porch, grabbing onto the metal railing, leaning out over to, to see the storm and the lightning and the thunder, and lightning hit the railing and flung me across the porch, burned my hands. Mm-hmm. The only thing I really remember of it was... Again, I'm old, so sneakers still had metal eyelets back then. Yeah. I remember my feet being burned where each of the metal eyelets were. Sure. So, that, so the tops of my feet had two very even, very concentric rows of little burns from the metal in my <laughs> sneakers. Wow. Uh, so yeah, getting close to weather, bad deal. Yeah. Meg's podcast is famous. It's practically a food group. The Dorothy concept. Now, for those of you that haven't seen Twister, shame on you. But for those of you that have seen Twister, you know, as well as Jim and I, that the Dorothy concept is this. You get a container, and inside the container are a bunch of sensors that somehow have to fly up into the storm and send back signals to whatever is going to collect that, that data and thereby give you what is essentially a picture of what happens inside and while a tornado is going on that is the dorothy concept and then of course being able to do something with that data is something else we'll talk about but that is one of the big giant bonuses it was one of the real life on the cusp leading edge things back in 1996 and those things have come to fruition where that has happened that's very true again separating the movie from reality i I always thought that it was it was strange that they felt the need to stay with the the Dorothy package until almost the last second when reality when you're that close to the tornado all the wind is inbound. Yeah. Tornadoes suck wind in. So really all you had to do was put the pack close and the tornado will get it. Mm-hmm. You know what it does with it after that is anybody's guess, but the tornado will get it. They didn't have to stick around and and make sure that the tornado was going to suck it up. That's that was going to happen whether yeah. they stayed and watched or not. Yeah, and I think everybody is also under the false impression it's probably because of the pictures you've seen or if you ask somebody to draw a tornado, uh, traditionally they'll either start at the top of the tornado and draw down or they'll start from the bottom and then make this spooling edge up and a lot of people are under the impression that the only piece that is affected is where it actually touches the ground and the unfortunate matter that we see a little tiny bit of inside of twister is that there's a very large area in and around the tornado that is actually you know that everybody um i talk to a lot of people when i talk about people that are uh, have a very negative effect on me i talk about a path of destruction in their wake okay well there's a reason that a tornado leaves a path of destruction and not this you know a pencil line throughout a community and it's because 
there is a huge giant vortex not just this pinprick that's carving through grass it it is the entirety of that appliance of the wind and the pressure being put onto the ground and to the structures and people on it and, and that's very true the area of impact of a, of a tornado uh, is not just where you physically see that that rotating wall cloud although you you mentioned or that rotating funnel you you mentioned touching the ground and that's really that's really where the definition of tornado versus funnel cloud mm-hmm. gets cut right there. A, sure. a tornado is a, is a rotating column that touches the ground. Mm-hmm. Until it touches the ground, technically, it's not a tornado. Should you still be outside trying to take a picture? No. But, but that's technically the definition of tornado. When that rotating column of air touches the ground, mm-hmm. at that point, it becomes a tornado. Yeah. And it's it's now to the point where there is so much information out there that uh, even when I talk to school kids about uh, severe weather safety and tornado safety, I don't even bother with the Fujita scale, F1, F2, F3. My, my method is a tornado is dangerous. Yeah. Whether it's a relatively minor tornado or whether it is at the major catastrophic end of the scale, you shouldn't stand there and try and determine, oh, that doesn't look all that bad. I, I can probably... I can probably stick around and, and watch that for a little bit. Uh, our recommendation is always find a safe spot. Find a safe spot, which I, th- I think the people in the movie tended to do fairly well considering the fact that they seem to let themselves be surprised over and over again in spite of having two vans full of what was at the time the most high-tech equipment available to humankind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as far as needing like extra warning weather sensor stuffs, they had it. Right. They were in front of every tornado that they were going to look at. They had it. And, and, <laughs> that was and amazing. Gratefully, those those types of surprises are very, very rare yes. today. Yeah. I, I kind of remember, again, watching the movie and wondering why every place they went, there were no tornado sirens. Or the tornado sirens were somehow not working or, or something along those lines. And again, in 96, we didn't have what we have today where, again, you can get a push message or a text message or you can just download an app and get those automatic messages just shoved right out to you but they did have some technology available that made it so you didn't have just your eyeball mm-hmm. uh, to look at the scene I remember most vividly was at the at, at the movie theater where even though there's this monstrous tornado on screen easily probably a quarter mile half mile wide that is only apparently two or three hundred yards down the road nobody knows about it they, again they have a van full of equipment there are no tornado sirens blaring and and nobody knows about the twister until a, a very lucky stroke of lightning kind of silhouettes it and suddenly you have just 20 seconds to to hide you have 20 seconds to try and find shelter. Now, now what's funny, too, though, is I, I uh, having grown up in Wisconsin most of my life, that are in the Chicago area. So tornadoes were a very real thing in both of those areas. That I've always had that that vision until, I don't know, maybe my 20s. But that's always been the vision is that when you either hear the tornado sirens or you're watching the weather and you know, the skies turn green, you have about 25 seconds to not die. <laughs> and so hauling ass down to either, uh, back then it would have been an apartment complex parking garage or, uh, let's see, uh, to the basement in one of a number of houses that my family and I lived in. That was it. There wasn't any standing outside. There was no uh, extra anything going on. Uh, it was also the time before cable. And so you, if, if the weather was crazy, you didn't have anything on television. You had three networks. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that was it. So if there was a local tornado and the local tornado took down a tower, okay, well, no TV for you. 
Uh, no electricity for you. Yep. That's what I think a lot of people miss out on things like that, but you've actually got a great benefit in that. You've never seen it miss this podcast and that podcast and come right after you. Notification services. This is something that Jim mentioned that I am incredibly grateful for in many different ways. The first way that I'm very grateful for is my wife happens to be deaf. And so for those of you that benefit from the very loud, very obnoxious, especially if you're close to them, oh my God, sirens that are outside, you have to remember that if someone is deaf, they have nothing. There is nothing. It it, it is a boggle to my mind that until last year, 2014, there was no formal system put in place by any recognized entity on planet Earth for deaf people and tornadoes absolutely horrifying it is my it is my wife's most heinous nightmare that she dies in a tornado because there is nothing and and how could it not be right um, and it's it's actually a seminar that i've taught for several years now mm-hmm. uh, emergency preparedness for uh, people who have an access or functional need. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we all grew up with the tornado sirens. Mm-hmm. Speaking specifically to, to severe weather, you know the tornado sirens. Or if you, you know, if if there's severe weather, you go to your basement. Yeah. Well, again, if you can't hear, you can live underneath a tornado siren. It doesn't matter. Making a to difference, you. right? And and if, we are we're less than a hundred yards from our local oh, tornado yeah, siren. So, so you get so it's full sweet force. irony. Yeah, <laughs> sweet yeah. irony. You know, uh, if if you if you if you use a walker, mm-hmm. you know. Getting downstairs to the basement is not an option for you, at least in a timely manner. So there's that, you know, small numerically, but still critically, sometimes still underserved part of the population who who isn't served by by even all the technology that's out these days. Right. Uh, and just to speak to that very quickly, there, there's never been a better time as far as how to get severe weather warnings weather radios that that NOAA you know sponsors and and they have their own basic weather channel that you know will give you not just severe weather warnings but for winter weather and and right on down the line mm-hmm. all the different TV stations that are dedicated to weather and again you can get an automatic text message or an, an automatic message through an app mm-hmm. uh, the tornado sirens still you know still a very standard but i I think that that today some people are so very dependent on technology, mm-hmm. uh, and you touched on it in in the perspective about the movie, that we fail to use the sensory part, which was all we had before radar and mm-hmm. before the sirens. I see a TV story on it once a year, usually about this time of year mm-hmm. when tornadoes sure. and severe weather seem to crank up. Mm-hmm. There will be somebody who you know either on regional TV or sometimes it makes the national news, and they'll say something to the effect of, "Well." You know, the sky got pitch dark. It was so dark that even the streetlights came on in the middle of the day. And, you know, the trees were bending double and and some of the branches were starting to break off. And I saw some stuff flying down the street, but I didn't hear the tornado siren. So I wasn't sure what to do. How are you not sure what to do if you're seeing that? Yeah. I mean, if, if what you see out your window or out your back door makes you wonder why the sirens aren't going off, just go take shelter. You don't have to wait for somebody to officially tell you to do that. Well, Jim, are you, are, you, are you telling me that if like if I see, I don't know, a gas truck fly by me, there's a tornado someplace? Yes, that, that, that would probably oh, be accurate. Oh, okay. Yes, that's, all right. you know, well, cows, gasoline trucks, parts <laughs> of cell towers, yeah. uh, all that stuff that, again, made a great <laughs> impact in the movie. But Literally. This, but this happens yeah. in real life. Where it does. People, people it does. that don't get that official word what to do 
so they, they wait for somebody to tell them. Sometimes you have to be the one to tell yourself what to do. Yeah. And and yeah. we stress that. We you know, don't ignore the warning when it comes. Yeah. But if it hasn't come yet and you're wondering why not, please do something about yeah. that. What's the worst that happens? You go to your basement, you come up five minutes later, your kids give you grief about, Oh, dad was scared and he took us to the basement. So what? Wouldn't you rather that than the that nobody gets yeah, that nobody right. gets to talk about anything, right? You know, and right. you come back up after ten minutes and you go on with your day. Yeah. The, the bottom line about the compilation of a checklist of whether things are good and bad, the shorter that list is, the more likely you are to live. <laughs> and I don't know how to be more plain. If it, takes, if it takes that 10 to 12 minutes out of your day so that you and your family are safe someplace, then so be it. It's 10 or 12 minutes that you'll get back. And, and kind of on, you know, to piggyback on that, I, I, I don't know how many people will hear this podcast mm-hmm. based on your other podcasts. I hope it's a bunch. It'll be a bunch. It'll <laughs> but, be a bunch, yeah. But if, if even one person hears this and goes home tonight and sits down with their family around the dinner table or on the couch and, and says, hey, you know, I heard this today and let's take 10 or 15 minutes and let's let's talk about this, yeah. you know, let's let's figure out what to do. And if that ends up with that family being a little bit better prepared than maybe they would have been otherwise, that's a win. Yeah. If it's even one out of 100 or one out of 500, if one more family hears this and at the end of the day or at the end of the week is a little bit better prepared, I'll never know it. You'll never know it. I'm still happy. Podcast Greenage, dude. Greenage. The rivalry. Ah, uh, it's not every day you get to see incarnate douchebaggery, but you get to see it whole hog inside of what's, what is 1996's Twister. I unfortunately have several friends that are now not my friends because of what you see here, and it's mostly because of that absolute need for there to be somebody better than someone else is at doing something, and by the way, I want the accolades for it. Podcasting is just one of many different things that I'm involved in, in where somebody must be better. The difference is that inside of 1996's Twister, you get the douchebaggery gifted by death. (laughs) And while I don't wish death upon anybody, it is one of the single most satisfying moments of the guy that will not listen to reason that I unfortunately wish could happen inside of real life more often. Uh, there There is a professional benefit to rivalry i totally i totally admit that people that rival me in many things help to drive me in my creative spirit i totally give that but there is a line and a bar and unfortunately many way too many times in life the bar is crossed and or broken or thrown away and we get to see the culmination of some of that here towards the end of the movie yeah, I thought in the movie you could tell early on that if anybody was going to die <laughs> at the hands of yeah. just a, a, an ill-timed tornado, it was probably going to be this guy. Just <laughs> yeah, from an yeah. entertainment standpoint, by the end of the movie, you could kind of tell that the people in the theater were looking for this guy to either get impaled by something or just kind of sucked up and disappeared. If, if anybody was going to have that happen to them, this was kind of... Yeah, going to be the guy. And this is no bones either. And again, not to prey on death and people dying, but there's a piece inside of this movie after Carrie Owis's black SUV gets sucked up into the cloud that the camera does not pan away at all. It actually follows the truck as it spins inside the tornado and then very quickly and violently smashes into the ground into a ball of fire. Right, spits it back out. (laughs) Spits it back out. (laughs) 
I don't wish that on anybody. And if you listen to our podcast, you'll understand the vital importance of not being in a vehicle near a tornado or being out inside the weather. So there's the benefit. Thank you, Carrie Elwes's character and the writers inside of Twister 1996. Again, bad things happen when you get too close to severe weather. <laughs> yeah. uh, it happened to him specifically because, again, he well, was... Oh, and his crew. That's what's yeah, terrible. And the crew, which... You know, drive I mean, that way, yes, sir. Okay, it's, it's a stretch to make the point, but we <laughs> we try to make it when we talk to schools and when we talk to mm-hmm. businesses. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't understand. If you're in charge of that business, I get your your impetus is to to drive revenue and and to make sure that you're meeting your projections and to run that business efficiently mm-hmm. and effectively and all those things. But when it comes down to bad things happening, you're in charge. Yes. You're in charge, and not just to make sure, hey, did we get our shipment today, or what do our receipts look like at the end of the day? When things go bad and your employees or your customers, or to put it in a family perspective, your kids, you know, look to you and say, hey, boss, this is scary, Mm -hmm. you know, or hey, mom, what do we do now? Hey, grandma, what are we going to do? This is scary. You know, what's your answer going to be? Is it going to be hey, don't worry, we have a plan. Remember, we trained you on it when you came to work here. We've had the drills. This is what we're going to do. We'd like that to be your answer all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or is your answer going to be, I don't know. I have no idea what we're going to do, but God, I hope somebody comes to help us. Yeah, I'm not sure. Let me look at the web real quick. Let's let's Google that. And that needs to not be the answer. There, there, There are fundamental survival instincts and details that need to be inside of not just every family, but every person inside of a family. And tornado... Awareness, in particular, must be one. And a couple of months ago, I did kind of a severe weather and business continuity presentation for one of our local chambers of commerce. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I asked him, because it's mostly business owners and business managers mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. in the room, I said, you know, who's in charge when something goes wrong? And, and pretty much everybody in the room raised their hand because it's their business. Mm-hmm. I said, right now, you're not. Because you're not on you're the not there at your business. Right now, whoever is behind the register at your business is in charge. They're the one who your customers are going to look to, whether well, it's severe weather or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. whether it's the fire alarms or somebody smells Car comes smoke. through the front glass, no, whatever. They're yeah. not going to look to you. You're not uh, there. That's very well said. And probably one of the most vital questions you can probably ask any business owner, frankly, any runner of a family, yep. is that, so there's an emergency in your house and what happens? And someone will go... Well, you know, I'm going to gather the family and we're going to meet out by the old oak tree and blah. Great, gotcha. Except you're at work. Right. Did your babysitter know that? Yeah, it's incredibly well said. And remember, we've got a whole bunch of great details that you can find right now from Jim's organization over at twoguystalking.com forward slash twister to download a checklist, um, some other great important information about tornadoes and tornado awareness. Yep. If you're talking about a link to our website, we have... uh some severe weather checklists. We have uh, some severe weather brochures. Um, all you have to do is shoot us a quick email. There's no charge for any of that. We will uh, we'll send them right out to you. You can make as many copies as you like. Um, they're copyrighted, so please don't change them. But for once it's yours, if, if you need to print out 50 to send home with your daycare families, you know, feel free to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, mm-hmm. the, again, it's not information that, that we feel needs to be restricted. Right. Going back right. to the more people know it, if even one person does something about mm-hmm. it, that's good. That's great. Sure. Things go wrong. You can't explain it. You can't podcast it. The soundtrack. There's two pieces of music. Focus that we're going to have inside this podcast. 
The first is on the soundtrack, and Jim had already mentioned it, where Van Halen's featured on a couple of tracks, but also a, a bunch of other folks, Tori Amos, Mark Knopfler's in there, Soul Asylum, Belly is in there, Katie Lang. Uh, it's really, it's not just a good soundtrack, it's very eclectic. And, and it's very subtle. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, no, go ahead. It's very subtle. Some, some of that soundtrack you didn't even realize was was part of the movie, and I think that's a testament to how visually effective the movie yes. was. Yeah. Until you until you get to the soundtrack alone and you realize, oh, that was the part at the jukebox before they all headed back out, or that's the part where they're driving through the field, mm-hmm. or, or whatever the case may be. So what, I thought what, it was a good soundtrack, yeah. because each piece of music kind of took you back to that particular scene. So mm-hmm. the music made an impact, even though you might not have realized it at the time, because you were watching this visually very very new very very effective site yeah uh, we'll also link to the soundtrack over at twoguystalking.com forward slash twister where you can buy it now and we'll get a little kickback from that buy i also wanted to make sure we focused on podcast we crave podcast podcast the score now i've shared this widely but the score to this film not so much the not the music from the musical artist we just mentioned but the score the the soundtrack music behind what's going on inside the movie is actually one of the favorite things i like to put on when i really have a lot of work to get done it, it is a driving force very much like the tornadoes inside of this it is a wonderful piece of work done by mark mancina and he's done a variety of different things. Another one that I love to listen to is the animated film Tarzan that had a bunch of really great songs from Phil Collins. But the actual score to that movie is also one of my favorites because, again, the drums are driving. There's incredibly powerful force throughout that. He's done a, a bunch of really great things that include Speed, Bad Boys, Con Air, Training Day, and Brother Bear. So a really great eclectic piece that you can also get over at twoguystalking.com forward slash twister. Don't miss out on it. Yeah, I, I thought the score when it when it opened with kind of that show toony Broadway, you know, almost like Oklahoma the musical. Yeah, thought, it is. Uh, but but a couple of minutes into it, I'm like, oh, that that works. Yeah. That again, I'm not a movie critic, but a couple of minutes into it, it was not a distraction. It was. It was an integral part of the film. Yeah, it definitely weaves itself throughout the storyline and helps propel the other music that's inside of it. The other thing, uh, this is something I'm certain everybody's heard, but I wanted to share also, is that what the sound designers inside of the movie also wrapped into this were a variety of different animal growls for the storms. So that inside of the actual sound, the, the foley that happens inside of the movie, They've actually incorporated animal sounds to accompany each of the different storms. I didn't know that. It's very interesting. It's incredibly subtle. You wouldn't look at one and go, "Oh, Chewbacca," <laughs> "Oh, a bear." <laughs> you wouldn't. You, you wouldn't have those things on the top of your mind. But it is very interesting. And again, sound design inside of this film. If you haven't seen it inside of a true DTS representation, it is striking and all-encompassing. It really does help with that submersion therapy that I was talking about. And now I'm never going to be able to watch Twister without thinking about Chewbacca. (laughs) (laughs) Everything goes back to Star Wars, man. Everything. (laughs) Just as everything that has goods, there's also the bad. Podcast Greenage, dude. Greenage. Needing to take the disbelief pill. I am usually one of the first people to whine and bitch about things that are where you just go, uh, no way. 
There is no way that could happen. Now, when we're incorporating the fact of being able to stumble upon, I don't know what, half a dozen twisters <laughs> within the span of a couple of days or a week or whatever the time span is here, all that the disbelief kind of goes out the window and it, it actually has to. But it is something that bothers me inside of this film because that drifts into where it was fun to be able to make people aware of severe storms. You're also making people aware of severe storms, you know, the kind that you can get 25 feet from and everything's fine. That, that's the peril of something like this and having to take the disbelief pill. I thought so, too. Again, I, I tried to enjoy the movie, and I did. I, I really yes, did. Yes, I did, too. I, I thought it was a great movie, but because of the position I was in and still in, you know, <laughs> teaching people about severe weather and, and other catastrophes and disasters, I, I kept going back to, that's not right. You know, please don't believe you can do that. Please don't do that. That's that's not the thing to do. So it took a little bit away, but I know it didn't take it away for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, you know, some of the things where, you know, again, you're standing pretty much a car length away from a tornado and your hair's not even blowing but there's a bovine you know floating by and then it floats by a different way (laughs) not not realistic the 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 tanker truck near the end that get sucks hundreds of feet up into the up into the sky not really realistic visually great adds to the movie not very realistic Uh, the part at the end where they're tied by a belt to uh, uh, you know a water pipe and and they're somehow inside the vortex of a tornado uh, again, visually stunning, great part of the movie, not realistic in real life. And, and But I do think a lot of people came away from that movie with, uh, again, the part where they're talking about younger evil Bill. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he walks up to a tornado drunk and throws in an empty booze bottle and the tornado somehow sucks the bottle away, but leaves him alone. Not realistic, doesn't happen in real life. And Oh, where that happens, though, is a, in between a bunch of drunk people in a bar. That's where that happens. Basically, yes. It, it's the legend of the former Bill, essentially, right, right, is what happens right. there. Uh, the, the bottom line, though, is that this is one of those rides that, to board, you must take the disbelief pill. And you do. You take a very large one inside of this film. You do, but but the film carried it. No, well, yeah. Because it was exciting to watch. So you there, know, even There's though, a value to pace. We always yeah, talk yeah. about pace. And this one has got a brazen one. Oh, yeah. Even in the quietest of moments where you've got any one of the number of songs from the soundtrack playing, where it is not the full-on running from the tornado stuffs, the pace inside of this movie really does work well. Podcast Greenage, dude. Greenage. The technical jargon and, look, another tornado. This kind of spills into the disbelief piece again. But the there's enough technical jargon to get you interested that is inside of the industry that's used. But what's also there is, okay, well, we beat that tornado. Brush off the shoulders. Oh, look, another one. Let's go. Okay, here we go. And that also is, well, I've seen some of those things inside of the Storm Chaser programs where they'll go, you know, it looks like it's moving west. Let's go get on Highway 49 and head northeast. Blah. It, it, what you see here is... It, it kind of gets back into the disbelief thing, but it, it's what people don't get. For the time period, and again, going back two decades, God, I'm old. You know, they, they talked about some, some terminology that's still in use today because it's kind of standard weather terminology. Mm-hmm. They talk about the dry line, which is kind of the atmospheric boundary between the the, the very humid, very moist air coming into an area and the dry air that, that is occupying that area. Mm-hmm. They talk about storms back building, which simply is a storm is moving forward but developing so rapidly that part of it is is kind of remaining over an area Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's still a term that you hear on occasion 
you know, they, they try to keep in front of storms, which I guess if you're going to try and catch one would would be the place to be, or if you're going to try and get a piece of equipment in front of one. But they, they don't get very technical. You don't hear a lot about tornado warning. You don't hear a lot about tornado watch or, or weather advisory because 20 years ago, those terms weren't used as as frequently uh, as they are now. I, th- I, think it, I think back in the mid-90s, it was tornado emergency that was that was kind of the standard phrase for a, a tornado in the immediate area mm-hmm. as opposed to watch or warning and there was certainly no talk about uh, the the availability today of 24 48 72 hour in advance uh, weather outlooks where mm-hmm. you can see um, a, a marginal risk or an enhanced risk or uh, a very high risk of severe weather development. So well, I think there's another aspect that you bring up that I didn't even think about that we can put right into this piece. And it's right at, in fact, right now, a brilliant clear day inside of St. Louis, Missouri. We can go and look at a live weather station report of what's going on. And what I find even more amazing is when there is severe weather on every single channel that's anywhere within a hundred mile radius, they can literally dial in the line of where the tornado is going and tell you what street and what time it's going to arrive. And, well, I love that. I love that you now have not only super advanced warning that those days ahead where you know that the, there's going to be severe weather during the weekend, let's say, but you also now know that in 45 minutes, there is one of the most destructive weather elements headed your way. And by the way, we gauge it's coming down your block. That's awesome except that somebody's watching it and that's what that sense of curiosity is what graphs on to the availability of smartphones the ability to take live video inside of your smartphone or photographs that need to then be sent to facebook or something inside of social media cone and so it, it's funny that little dance that technology does along with awareness and that pride aspect of being able to see and experience a tornado on your own how detrimental that can become because of how something is so good like this it's a double-edged sword, no it two is. ways about it. We certainly see the good. I mean, you, oh, yeah. can, you can see live on TV that storm approaching you. Whether you do something about it or not is up to you. <laughs> to you, yes. We insist kind of that you do something about I, it. And while I don't want any of the movies that ever have the impact, literally, that Twister had to become a documentary step-by-step of how to not die in a tornado, I get that. There should be some elements because imagine the attention you're commanding and that there has to be that little teeter-totter that allows you to get enough educational information that is supplanted inside of something that people imbibe like a movie. There has to be a way to do that. There has to be a a way to make the teeter-totter level. I think so. And I think social media does, I mean, it's certainly a tool they didn't have 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. But if if there is a movie out now that commands the public's attention and it's in my sphere, it's, it's about severe weather or it's about an earthquake or about a pandemic or something along those lines, I can go home from that movie and 15 minutes later reach thousands and thousands of people and say, this is what I saw, but this is what really happens. Yeah. And if you'd like more information about what really happens, here's where you can mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. And, and just, just while that interest is, is still very, very fresh in people's minds, have that have that immediate impact. Um, they see it in California all the time with earthquakes. Mm-hmm. Their, their emergency responders are deluged with, with requests for information after an earthquake. Right. The, 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 the longer that time goes by since the last earthquake, the, the fewer those responses are, or those requests come in. 
and then you know because the interest kind of wanes and your your everyday life starts hitting you in the face again and, and we get that yeah and and we also get that this is an ugly subject nobody you know nobody likes to go home and sit down around the dinner table and talk about what might happen mm-hmm. in a tornado it's kind of like funeral planning or it life is. insurance nobody likes to talk about those things it is the difference that is it's more vital you kind because, of have to. you know, the, uh, the the rolling the bones on how often and how many times severe weather will affect you and your home and your family is infinitely more than the end game of time to have a funeral. And that's why I, that's why we're doing this perspective review is because this information is vital. We're wrapping it in a wonderful wrapper of a huge juggernaut film. And we hope that that information reaches you. I hope so too. In the end, and I don't think this is the end, but you know what we try and remember is no. Even in the past two weeks, nobody impacted by a tornado in the past two weeks woke up that morning and said, "Yep, today is the day." <laughs> you right. know, today is the day the tornado is going to get us. It's going to come right down our block. Today is the day I know it. Nobody said that because if they did, obviously they would have done something about it. Right. They'd also be in a different business R- to make right. money reading minds. Right. right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so nobody knows. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, the the day before any catastrophic event was a normal day for all of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if you went through life going, uh, what if it happens today? You drive yourself nuts in thirty days, and, and you know it's just no way to live. But have some respect for what for what happens. Again, you know, you see it on TV, and you see it everywhere on TV. Mm-hmm. It's it's very easy to see bad things happening to other people, mm-hmm. and a lot of times I think folks get the impression of it'll never happen to me. It'll never happen here. Well, somebody else might be thinking that same thing. Mm -hmm. And to that person, somebody else might be me. And to somebody in a different location, they're somewhere else, might be where I am. So, you know, there's two sides there. No, and there always are two sides. I'm I'm instantly drawn to the last track of the soundtrack by the Van Halen Brothers, which is called Respect the Wind. And they're not kidding. (laughs) The wind is something to totally be respectful of. It's not a media event, and, and a lot of people treat it that way. Yes. Again, look, look at, you know, after any severe weather event, look at, look at, go to YouTube and, and look at how many people have taken, you know, video of the exact same event, a, a flash flood or, or, or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I'd, I would much rather you be in a safe spot than for you to have a couple of thousand hits on YouTube mm-hmm. uh, because at, at some point, the YouTube is not going to be the tornado. The YouTube is going to be you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one you know, one wrong move, one unlucky break, is 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 the difference to some of these people, and you you can't rely on luck, not right. forever. Podcast greenage, dude. Greenage. Divorce and how messy it can become. I remember a lot of you contacted me, and that I made my ET perspective review all about how I was focusing on a broken family inside of the Alien movie. And for those of you that were bitching at me, shame on you. Because E.T., <laughs> and I love this because I know I'll get hate mail from it on this one too. E.T. is way more about a broken family and how the people have to interact with each other than it is about an alien coming down to interact with people. And there's a lot of that going on inside of this as well. We, we talked a little bit about when we talked about Jamie Gertz. We talked about the farce of what happens inside of, or can happen inside of divorce. And while my parents' divorce was a lot less epic than the, than this one is showcased, the bottom line is that there's a lot of drawn-out drama here showcasing how messy divorce can become. The needing to hunt Helen Hunt 
for a signature the the snide remarks the bringing in the new girlfriend the you know i just want to get this done joe can we get this done joe i'm wondering if we could sign the papers now the giving in moment inside of near the uh, the movie theater inside that town uh, all of those things are tremendously dramatic but you have to remember that when drama comes impact happens and so this isn't a message to those of you that are either considering or going through a divorce, but remember the impact and the vortex around your divorce and who or what you might be impacting by jumping into divorce. <laughs> and, and I always thought that it was, again, it's a movie, I guess. Oh, yeah. But I always thought it wasn't that tacky. You know, hey, let's bring my current girlfriend. <laughs> you know, to, the psychologist. Right. To, to have her witness my, my almost ex-wife <laughs> signing our divorce papers in front of her work crew. People that I also have a history yeah, with. Yeah. What the hell? Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know, what's more tacky? Going to Yankee Stadium and, and you know, having it on the big <laughs> on the screen board. as, you know. Happy b- birthday, instead Bill, Instead of the, by the kiss way. cam here. Watch. My ex-wife <laughs> is signing our divorce live at the divorce ballpark. Divorce paper cam. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. That I, I would just, be bringing people together. Yeah. Uh, the bottom line, though, is that it's it's very rocky. I mean, it doesn't get any more rocky than that. It is waves crashing against this super sharp, laden area of divorce. Right. Here, here's my current girlfriend. <laughs> We're going to be in my brand new yeah. truck while your truck, you know, and you, by extension, kind of get pushed off to the side. <laughs> Literally. You have to you have to wonder if the tornadoes didn't happen, they'd have just signed the divorce papers and gone on. That, that would and be that would be done. Right. right. Right, podcast greenage, dude. Greenage. Outrunning tornadoes. Theory versus what happens in real life. And this is the wonder of everything that happens inside a perspective review that re- uh, reviews essentially what happens in real life versus what you see inside of television or movies. And I love that we're going to be able to take advantage of this. Just off the top of your head, tell me some of the things that come to come to mind. We've talked about several of them already. On the same line as you, you can't outrun a tornado, especially if you're as close to them as they are in the movie. Because, mm-hmm. again, tornadoes, all the winds at a tornado are inbound. Right. And describe that for people because, I, you know, where you think it's a – imagine – and this is a guess. But if you took the end of a, a vacuum cleaner, you know, the hose on a vacuum cleaner, and you stuck it on the gr- near the ground – is that not what we're, we're, we're considering? We're Basically, at obviously at much higher velocities. Sure. The, the air pressure, in, in, in basic terms, the air pressure at the center of a tornado is very, very, very low. Mm-hmm. So all those high, high winds are generated as the winds get sucked into the vortex of the tornado. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a, a lot of times that's where the damage happens. You, you hear people saying things like, I... I, I was sucked out of this room or, or you know, I, I felt the air pressure drop or things like that. That's not because they're in the vortex of the tornado. That's because the wind is so strong that it's just dragging everything towards the tornado. Mm-hmm. From personal experience, <laughs> one of the things I learned fairly early was looking at a thunderstorm, if, if the wind is blowing out, that is probably a a traditional thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. But if it seems like all the wind is inbound, mm-hmm. like like it's trying to drag you into the storm, mm-hmm. there's probably some rotation in there mm-hmm. because that's that's the low pressure starting to generate as that as that funnel begins to spin and begins to reach down. Mm-hmm. So you know, people running through the field as the big tornado is a hundred yards behind them, ripping up, 
pickets on right. the fence block. Not probably not going to happen. Again, sure. the tornado seemed to be sucking everything into it except the people who let's, who miraculously managed to get away. Let's talk specifically about vehicles because I told another co-host on the network that we were doing this review, and he is a big guy. And he has a reasonably large truck that he drives in. And I told him as he's walking out after finishing an episode where there's reasonably green-looking skies outside, I said, you know, uh, drive safe and make sure you get out of the car if you need to. Now, was I telling him the right thing or not? It really depends. And I hate to, to, to kind of... You must as, give as me the, the black and white statement right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Time is of the essence, Jim. You're going to kill people. It really depends on, <laughs> on where you are. If, sure. if your vehicle is the only thing around you, and that should never be, but mm-hmm. if you find yourself just, it's just your vehicle and the wide open spaces, your vehicle is probably the place to be. Okay. The, okay. the important part is there is not to be close to the tornado in the first place sure. to where you're, you're faced with that decision, do I stay in my vehicle or do I get out? Mm-hmm. If you believe you can reach a fairly sturdy structure, that's the place to be. Okay. If you can get below ground, that's the place to be because more often than not, it's not the wind that hurts you, it's the stuff blowing debris, around sure, in yeah. the wind that hurts mm-hmm. you. So if the debris can't touch you, you're going to be much better off. We've all seen, getting to this one aspect specifically, we've all seen the the video where the people are caught by the tornado, I want to say in Kansas, and they all rush up under the bridge overpass, Mm -hmm. and they miraculously survive. And I do want to stress miraculously Mm -hmm. uh, as a very valid term there. Mm -hmm. That is never the place to be. Up is never the direction you want to go. Under an overpass is never the place you want to be. Mm -hmm. That's taking that high wind and funneling it just a little bit more, sure. which which makes it just a little bit higher speed, and you still have no protection. Those people were extraordinarily lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, the video that never gets shown is, uh, I want to say again, from Moore or Oklahoma City from back in the late 90s, mm-hmm. where people tried to take, uh, take cover under a highway overpass and didn't survive. Um, you can actually see their, their silhouettes uh, pressed up against the the vertical part of the underpass, where everything in the tornado just basically smothered them. Mm-hmm. And when when their bodies came away, these these silhouettes were left. Wow. Um. So uh, yeah, it's it's tough to watch. It's tough to look at even today. Yeah. Again, to give people perspective on something like that, it's essentially uh, the cone of a hair dryer underneath an overpass because you're you're focusing and funneling yeah. all of the air coming out of it. It's also, frankly, what almost killed Clark Kent and his parents. Yeah, Inside of the, mo- the most recent Superman film. Very true, very true. <laughs> Get under the overpass. <laughs> uh, not so much. <laughs> not really. The, the key with severe weather is to not be surprised. Yeah. Again, there, yeah. Are, there are many, many ways to, to learn about or be aware of or be told about the approach or possible development of severe weather. Mm-hmm. Avail yourself of a couple. Even if it's nothing more than than a neighbor calling you, I, I have a, a couple of couple of houses down. A, an elderly neighbor who does not like technology. I don't think she has a cell phone, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's fine. That's yeah. her. But we kind of have an agreement where if the, if the weather is bad, I'll make that call. You know, hey, just so you know, this is coming, mm-hmm. and and that's her. That's her warning. That's you know, and you know, she's got you know the TV and the radio and things like that. But that's kind of her backup warning. There's a ton of ways to be aware of severe weather. Avail yourself of a couple. You know, yeah, take, I think the other one I wanted to the other one I wanted to focus on too was we uh, we're talking about my wife who is deaf. There is actually a tornado app that's available. We'll link to it inside of the show notes for this episode over at twoguystalking.com forward slash twister. Uh, that that's been instrumental, even if it's just a warning or the watch or anything inside of a, a literal cone of tornado activity. It's been huge. 
It's been a long time coming. If, if I could talk about the tornado sirens Please. for just a second. Uh -huh. uh, again, a couple of times a year I hear people say I didn't hear the sirens. Mm -hmm. The sirens were designed decades ago with one purpose in mind, to warn people who were outside to go inside. Mm -hmm. If you are lucky enough to be able to hear them while you're inside, good for you. But that's not their purpose. They're not designed to wake you up. They're not designed to be heard indoors. They're especially not designed to be heard indoors through earbuds or over the sound of a television. They're not designed to be heard inside over the sound of the storm. They're not designed to be heard in a vehicle. Mm -hmm. They were designed for one purpose, to get people outside, to move inside. Relying on them for any other purpose is, is not the thing to do. Mm -hmm. That's well said. And it is time to take a break during the Two Guys Talking Perspective Review of Twister, 1996, directed by Jean de Bon, starring a cavalcade of actors who have become something way more and powerful, just like a Twister, here inside of the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. We'll be right back. Things in 1982 were a lot more simple. BMX bikes, the Versailles apartment complex in Schaumburg, Illinois, the sweet, innocent kiss of Andrea Schaefer, and of course, a little film from a man named Steven Spielberg called E.T. Science fiction, the detail of a broken but still together family, the relationships that were made when you were 12, ones that are never again truly realized. It seems a lot heavier than most remember, but all of these things and more await you in the Two Guys Talking Perspective Review of Steven Spielberg's E.T. 1982 on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Check it out now at twoguystalking.com. That's the number two, guystalking.com. Hi, it's Vic Porcelli. Don't miss our interview with Michael the Grinder Mizraki in our most recent episode of TwoGuysTalkingPoker.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at VoiceFarmers.com see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From the Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Unlike TV or radio ads where every instance the ads are broadcast, they're only played once and lost forever. Perpetual advertising could have repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, and even years after they're inserted in a podcast. So even if a podcast is a few years old, your ads will still be impactful to repeat listeners as well as new listeners. This gives your advertising dollar the most bang for the buck. Find out more about perpetual advertising at twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. 
Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows has just been released. And it's time for the two guys talking Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows book report. Join Brian and Amy Sumatros as they give you the two guys talking book report goodness of this most recent soon to be bestseller book only on the two guys talking podcast. Log on today and tell us what you think of the book. Check out www.twoguystalking.com. That's the number two guys Thanks for listening and keep those wands at the ready. Everyone, welcome back to the Two Guys Talking Perspective Review of Twister, 1996, directed by Jean Dubon, starring a whole bunch of awesome actors. And some awesome tornadoes. Agreed. Before we went to break, we were talking about everything good and bad inside this film, and it's time for the rating of 1996's Twister. The way the scale works is 10 is the best, 1 is the worst. Everything starts at 7 as an average. For the goods, you go up. For the bads, you go down. Jim, what have you got? Oh, and no halvesies. Jim, what have you got? I'd have to go uh, a nine easy. Uh, For most people, it was probably a 10. It was a nine for me because, again, weather was what I did, but (laughs) every bit of a nine. I thought it was a a great movie. I thought it was was visually entertaining. I thought the the music that went along with it was good. Uh, I don't ever recall sitting in that theater going, Come on, yeah, we're moving along, moving yeah. along. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was great across the board. Yeah, I, I have to join you in that. I think the most important part of this movie, as well as the subsequent ride that also ate up all kinds of money, just like the tornado eats, uh, really is about submersion therapy inside of a, a movie theater. Uh, anytime that a movie can take me and remove me from someplace and put me into someplace else, tell a story about it, and then roll credits, you got me. It's why I am a professional entertainment critic. It's why I podcast to try and grab stories and memories and stuff that's vital to me and wrap it around all kinds of great television and movie stuffs. Well, that's why I do it. Uh, I also give this film a nine. And I'm not a movie critic, but I I also remember being completely kind of removed from reality for that Mm -hmm. 90 minutes or 100 minutes. It seemed like I had sat down and, and all of a sudden the house lights were coming up. Uh, yeah. I was I was pretty much completely yeah. engrossed in what was going on. This movie is a great sample of why I look at other movies that fail and I go, why can't you do it too? It happens a lot in television recently too. I, I surprisingly, am a, I'm an entertainment critic, but I watch surprisingly little television. And the reason is because the quality bar is not there. Uh, that and everything, the, uh, the network jacking and ripping out uh, something that you're interested in, that's a very dangerous road to cross. And I don't choose to spend my time on stuff like that because I don't want it jerked away from me. I, I think that, that since Twister, especially when you're in the genre of disaster movies, mm-hmm. I think that since Twister, there, there has been so much emphasis on the over-the-top visual effects mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that the story gets lost in okay, we're going to show this tsunami and then we're going to show this earthquake and then we're going to show this tornado and, and they just jump from one one huge over-the-top visual image to the next and I think they rely on the images carrying the story and again, I, I think that when we go to be entertained, we go to see and hear the, the story. I can, I can go online and look at images of tornadoes all day long. It doesn't entertain me. Mm-hmm. But, but tell a story and, and have, the, have the visuals 
support the story, not not overwhelm the story. And I think that's where a lot of those movies have have maybe not gone as well as they they might have or they they would have hoped to because you've spent all this money on these huge huge images and and the story doesn't come along with it no i agree with that i think it's not even about stories because one of the things we didn't add into the negative list but it should have definitely been there was the evil stepsister movies of twister Uh, there's got to be four or five that were right in tandem if not on the release date of twister that were not just bad movies they were bad entertainment making the story wasn't there most of the special effects especially way back then were just ultimately crap and and couldn't not only propel the story but couldn't propel your interest where you have to turn them off anything on there yeah yeah but it's great to see that again twister allowed us a whole bunch of awesome inside of 1996 So it's time to talk about the franchise of what happened with Twister. Traditionally, what we say inside of the franchise is, why wasn't there a sequel with so much money made? And what I would counter that with is, I'm so happy we didn't have a sequel. Because in addition to having to take another big box of disbelief pills, that the same people could possibly be put into the same danger, uh, it just didn't need it. It really didn't. I thought so too, and, and and for some of the same reasons, I'm glad they didn't do it. I mean, where where would that have gone with Twister Two? Would you have had the two primary characters married, and now they're taking their kids along, you know, on, on the tornado chase? I I just I didn't see a logical progression because again, they they told their story and they brought it, you know, to an end. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and it was a logical end. They didn't really leave a lot of a lot of dangling ends to to catch up on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it only could have gone downhill from that yes well my guess is that the stars probably would not have come back on for a sequel which usually translates into getting somebody second step second tier which is something i would be totally uninterested inside this movie same here i i don't know that a sequel would have been successful if somebody had been in helen hunt's place Mm -hmm. or if there had been a different primary bill paxton Mm -hmm. character and again how you you couldn't have topped the the effects at the time Mm -hmm. so what what would you have done uh, what, the, what would you have done? The, Insert, again, going back to Star Wars, inserted stormtroopers, or you know, the Millennium Falcon flies into a hurricane as as a hurricane hunter. It was, it, it was, it was good, and it was a neat package. And again, it it told a very specific story, and and it ended like it should have. And a sequel would have only been. You'd have always gone back to comparing it to. That's not believable. She's not Helen Hunt. He's not Bill Paxton. Uh, I think it would have been very tough to follow up. It would have been another also ran inside of the unfortunate specter of what happens to sequel movies that fail for sure. Uh, And that's where we ask you guys, what did you guys think of Twister 1996 directed by Jean DeBall? Let us know what you think by going over to twoguystalking.com forward slash Twister. Click anywhere inside the contact area on the right hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and let us know what did you think about Twister. Jim, thanks so much for joining me here Thank inside you. of the Two Guys Talking Bunker. <laughs> it is a brick building, and we're inside of a couple of rooms with no windows. So, And we are below maybe, ground here. We right? are below so ground. Yes, good. that's true. We can talk about twisters all day long and be safe. <laughs> as long as the power holds out, we're just good. That's not too bad then. So until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Jim Sharp, your other host, at least for this time. <laughs> thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Two Guys Talking Podcast. Have you taken the time to follow our efforts inside of social media? Be sure to visit twoguystalking.com. 
That's the number two, guystalking.com. And be sure to like and follow us on all of your favorite social media networks. Remember, we're always interested in what you have to say. Send your feedback about this podcast to us over at twoguystalking.com. That's the number two, guystalking.com. There you'll find thousands of hours of podcasts across a variety of topics, skill sets, and legacies. Have you thought about starting your own podcast? Start your podcast adventure at twoguystalking.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.